Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. We're actually starting a brand new series today um, called By Faith. And we're going to be in this series by faith over the next seven weeks. Um, hanged up who was here at the church weekend away. Anyone, anyone enjoy the church weekend away? It was a good time. Only, did anyone enjoy the... No. <laughs> we had a wonderful time and Terry Virgo spoke to us particularly about faith in that moment if you remember and he, the vital importance of what it is to walk by faith as Christians and as an eldership team we've been just sitting with this and praying and thinking through how do we respond and we, we felt it was right to respond and so over the last few months we've just been preparing this teaching series unpacking what is often called this hall of fame or this hall of faith in Hebrews 11 where the, the writer to the Hebrews uh, just talks about all these men and women who have walked and followed God and have lived an example of faith. And we're just going to unpack these stories over the next seven weeks. And I've been super encouraged because uh, when we met to pray on Wednesday night, uh, Mandy and Andrew, without knowing what we we're going to be looking at today, both started sharing about this sense that God is wanting to blow through our hearts and blow through the church to lead us into a new place of faith. And Andrew, you know, was kind of militant with us, expectant faith that we must believe God for what he has promised in his word and walk out in this. And then the next morning, so I was Wednesday night, I was in Victoria in a prayer meeting. On Thursday morning, I was back in Victoria in a prayer meeting with pastors and one of the pastors, John Cleveley from, from South London, he opened uh, Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 2, and read them out and says, I feel like God is speaking to us that we must be a people of faith. So I felt encouraged that we are walking in line and in step with the Holy Spirit, that God actually wants to speak to us. And the, the way I feel today is, is like Paul when he went and wrote to the church in Rome. He wrote this at the beginning of his letter. He says, I long to see you that I am, might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And, and really my heart is over the next seven weeks is that we would journey together and that your faith would encourage me and those around you and that my faith might impart some faith into your heart. So there might be this mutual strengthening of each other's faith that we might grow and, and start to learn and stretch out our faith wings. And what, what is it for us to walk by faith? Because I think for some of us, it, it might look different than what we actually expected. It might even look better and more enticing than what we actually expected. So this is what we're going to do. Today, really, I want to do three things. I want to take a broad like, look at Hebrews, the, the whole letter, and then I want to take a very narrow look at the first couple of verses of this passage, and then really why we would even want to, to walk by faith. So I, I'm going to pray for us, because really as a church, what we don't want to do is just listen to someone speak words and be vaguely encouraged hopefully and then Lee, actually we, we want to grow in our faith amen any any amens out there amen. father thank you so much for today father i want to say what i say to toria and to you lord i love this church i'm so grateful for this church so grateful for everyone here 
Lord, grateful for what you are doing with us. And Father, as we look to take this next step together, would you lead us by faith? Might we go deeper into faith? Might we see more done in the kingdom by faith? Might our prayers be stretched out and emboldened by faith? Lord God, might great exploits be achieved through this church by faith? And all of God's people say together, Amen. Amen. So the letter to the Hebrews, let me just give us a very brief, broad introduction and why this speaks to us about faith. We don't actually know the specifics of much of this letter. We know it's most probably written to Jewish converts to Christ, so those who had a Jewish heritage, why it's, the book is called Hebrews. We don't know who wrote the letter. We're going to call him the pastor. We don't know exactly who it is. I will probably say Paul wrote at this point, but I, I was a Freudian slip. It's the part we don't know that it was Paul, but you get so used as a pastor to saying Paul that it just comes out as Paul. So we're just going to call the pastor who wrote this letter to these Christians who what we do know about them is that they are struggling and suffering and being persecuted for their faith. So in chapter 10, we read this in verse 32. So just the chapter before in verse 11, he says, recall the former days after you were enlightened, that is, after you became Christians, and how you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partnered with those who were so treated. For you had, com- for you had compassion on those who were in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So they, was, they, they were under persecution. And this is, it's hard to understand the difficulties of what it is to live under the constant threat of persecution. When he says to have your uh, possessions plundered, they were walking through a moment, not just once where my, it's not like my house was robbed. That's a really unsettling thing. But it's this constant threat that people are going to come to your house and break into your house and steal your things and ransack your house. You know, there is that constant awareness that I might walk out of my house and something bad might. There is this constant threat that these Christians are under, it seems. And so the pastor is writing to them to encourage them in their faith because the temptation for them in this moment, there are difficulties that are there for them. The temptation for them is to shrink back and to move away from the boldness of their first faith. Because he says, then carrying on in verse 35, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. Then he says in verse 39, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So he puts this counterproduct in front of us. There is this shrinking back and there is this pressing forward by faith. And there is this temptation that they felt in time of difficulty to actually shrink back from the boldness, as it were, move back into the ways of the world so that they will not stand out from the world, that they will not follow Christ, that they will not expose themselves to the persecution, but they will camouflage themselves within the ways of the world and shrink back from their first bold faith. I think we all know that temptation, don't we? 
We all know the temptation of those first flushes of excited, bold faith. Maybe you're excited about Jesus and you start telling other people and your colleagues about this faith and this life that you've been given in Christ and you get battered a few times in conversations or you might overhear someone talking about you in the workplace and you suddenly realise, oh, my, my Christian faith is not really being welcomed. And what's the temptation? It is to shrink back. Actually, I'm just going to move away from this once bold faith and just get swallowed up in the old life again. I think we're also living in a cultural moment that is just trying to push us into a place of, of safety. Even just with like the economy shrinking and everything being reduced. I don't know if you saw Jeff Bezos, Bezos, any Americans in the house? I never, not, not sh- Bezos, we'll go with Bezos, the, the Amazon guy. Today, or this week, he was saying like, what we need to do right now is batten down the hatches. I was like, oh, wow. It's quite a severe statement over, like, what does that even mean? But that's the headline that I was seeing on batten down the hatches. What can happen in a cultural moment like this where everything, everyone's talking about, like, we've got to be safe, we've got a cautious path, can't spend, we can't, it's got to cut back, cut back. What can happen is that kind of caution, that kind of shrinking back can actually seep into our bones as Christians, so not only are we looking at our finances shrinking back, but actually that once bold faith is now a shrunk back faith, and we're just doing the bare minimum, coasting through. Sure, we go to church, sure, we do some Christian things, but actually we're shrinking back. And I think we know that if we're Christians, those moments where actually I know that I'm trying to camouflage myself within the ways of the world. And I don't really want to take a step into something new and place my head above the parapet. But the pastor here is writing and charging these Christians not to shrink back. Some letters are are written, like next year we're going to be walking through 1 Corinthians, and 1 Corinthians is written like this whole hodgepodge of stuff that's being taught about sexual ethics and morality and unity in the church and the doctrine of the resurrection and the Lord's Supper and how to use spiritual gifts. There's kind of all this stuff that's going on. It's kind of this jamboree of teachings into one letter. Hebrews is very different. It actually reads like one single sermon, and the whole thing builds on itself. And the way that the pastor wants to encourage us to step out into a new bold kind of faith is he first of all points us to Jesus Christ and who he is. And in four ways he shows us throughout the letter how Jesus is better than anything else that you could trust in and particularly those Jewish heritage Christians that they were trusting in. So he starts by saying Jesus Christ is better than any messenger, any preacher, any angel that you could ever put your trust in. He says don't trust in angels and messengers, trust in Jesus Christ. He is better. And he says, and Jesus Christ, he is better than Moses. Moses was a great prophet. He had great things to say about wisdom of how to do life. But Jesus Christ is a better prophet than Moses. You can trust this Jesus Christ. He says there is a sacrificial system. But Jesus Christ is a better sacrifice than any lamb, any bull, any pigeon you could bring to any temple, to any sacrifice, anywhere across the world. Jesus Christ is the last and the best sacrifice. You should trust in him because he has done away with all of your sins. He has thrown away as far as the east is from the west. Put your trust in Christ because he is better. 
and he says Christ is the best priest that you can trust sure there were high priests in the Old Testament and they served a role but he says that Jesus Christ is the best priest that you can ever he is the high priest he is the sympathetic priest he knows what it is to be tempted in every way and is yet without sin and now is the right hand of God the Father and we can trust him because he ever lives and pleads for us so trust Jesus Christ amen he is pointing us continually to Jesus through the letter up until chapter 10 and then in chapter 11 he switches and he says having seen Jesus Christ all of the glory and the splendor of who he is and what he has done and who he is for us in the light of all of this he says trust him walk by faith do not try and do those own things by yourself. Don't try and be your own messenger. Don't try and be your own prophet. Don't try and be your own wisdom for your own life. Don't try and be your own priest. Don't try and be all of these things, your own sacrifice. Don't try and do those things. There is one to whom you look to. It is Jesus Christ himself. Put your trust in this Jesus. And Hebrews 11 is this long list of men and women who have gone before us, who have seen the Lord. And have said, I am going to walk by faith in him and not trust in my own ways. And at the very end of this chapter, this long chapter, I was going to read it, but we, we just don't have time. At the end of this long chapter, he closes in chapter 12. Remember, the, the, the chapter numbers were put in later, so they can confuse us sometimes. Chapter 12, 1 to 3 is the closing, the climax, the reason for this series. And he says this, Therefore, Trinity Church London, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, all of these men and women who have gone before us and have shown us what it is to walk by faith, because of this, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God amen amen the Zimbabwean leads us in the Pentecostal clapping. So if you're English, we follow the Zimbabwean. <laughs> we put our trust in this Jesus. And the call on us is to find a new faith that runs. God speaks to Jeremiah once who knew what it was to be worn down by life. What it was to be worn down by circumstances. To have your inner self found exhausted and emptied jeremiah was an only he's known oftentimes as the weeping prophet just because he knew what it was to wake up heavy-hearted but the lord through Jerem through the letter of jeremiah is continually inviting jeremiah into a new faith not one that is based on physical energy not one that is based on your circumstances not one is based on anything within yourself but based in god himself and he tells jeremiah in chapter 12 verse 5 he says if you have been wearied by running with men how are you going to run with horses God raises the bar for Jeremiah, almost waking him up, saying, Jeremiah, there is a new level of faith that you can enjoy where you are going to, as it were, run with horses now. And this is for us. And don't hear this as like, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. 
like, I'm just trying to get through my work week and maybe make it to community group. And now you're like saying, run with horses. Like, how does this even, I'm too tired for this. It's nothing to do with your physical energy. It has everything about trusting God for what he is gonna do in your life. It is a raising of your expectations of what he might do tomorrow morning, on Tuesday afternoon, on Wednesday in your life. You never know what God is gonna do in a breakthrough, what kind of strength he is gonna sustain you with in your life. Are we gonna run with horses? That's the question that we have. So here we have, firstly, in Hebrews, this call to us to walk with God by faith. The second thing is this, and this is the specific definition what is it actually to have faith? And this really, in, in the first couple of verses, the pastor here defines for us what gets lived out in the next few verses. So he says in verse 1, now faith is. He is defining something for us. This is faith. And he says two things really that replicate each other, but with slightly different nuances. He first says the first thing, faith is firstly the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. I think sometimes we, we misunderstand faith because we assume it's a one-size-fits-all. We think that faith looks like a very particular thing. What we can often do is that we take our own life and we look at how we do life, how we think about life, how we process life, even our relationship with God, and we can somehow assume that this is the way that you walk by faith. But the thing that we learn in Hebrews 11 is that to walk by faith looks different in different people everyone's walk looks different so we cannot judge someone else's walk by faith because they know what they are trusting God for so sometimes a walk by faith looks like taking crazy risks that you don't understand and sometimes to walk by faith means remaining still in a place and trusting God for a breakthrough right where you are Sometimes walking by faith looks like stretching yourselves and going for promotion after promotion, sensing that by faith this is God's call for you to find yourselves in those places of influence in the company. And sometimes to walk by faith is to say, no, I am going to forego promotions and I'm going to stay here because I have other influences in other places that I want to give my life to. We can't judge someone else's walk by faith. Sometimes a walk by faith is simply the ability to endure loneliness and hardship. I'm walking by faith right now. Sometimes a walk by faith is to enjoy a seeming worldly success, success, success. Which can confuse us, I think, because of the, what, what then does it look like? At the very least, we should never judge someone else when they are walking by faith. Because you do not know what they are trusting God for and what God might have spoken to them and where God is taking them. But what we do know is there is this very common thread that runs through everyone's 
faith that is born by the Holy Spirit. And this is what the pastor gets to in these moments. We have these two things. That faith is firstly the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So firstly this, what is the assurance of things hoped for? At, at, at its very basic, faith is something that is forward-looking. It looks to the future world that is to come for Christians. Faith is one that looks with eyes to the future glory that is come, not just in this life, it's not looking for things hoped for, like I'm hoping for a better house, I'm hoping for a family, I'm hoping for a better job. No, no, this is faith that is looking forward to the life that is to come in glory, where all the promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That faith looks to the, to the future. One pastor called Thomas Merton said, our life today is shaped by what we live for tomorrow. Uh, what we're expecting to happen tomorrow actually shapes how we behave today and biblical spirit-filled faith says i'm looking to a future world that is filled with glory and that is actually going to shape how i live today so faith wakes up and says okay not first and foremost what's going to happen today but where is my life headed it's headed to glory I'm going to be with Jesus Christ. All the promises of the scriptures are going to be yes and amen in him. I'm going to find all my hopes for fulfilled in him. Everything is going to be okay. Justice is going to be done. All rights and wrongs are going to be made right in him. Peace will reign forever. That is my destiny. That is where my faith looks. It's to the world to come. And what the pastor does in these chapters is he gives us these examples of men and women who have looked by faith to the future and not around them to the circumstance of today. Because if you wake up and only look at today, you will probably end up crushed. But true faith says, no, I'm looking to that world that is coming in Jesus Christ. Let me just give you three examples of how this gets worked out in these passages. The first one is this in chapter 10, verse 34. Speaking of the, 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 the congregation, the, the Christians he was writing to in chapter 10, 34, he says, For you had compassion on those who were in prison. So like it's like us having church members who are in prison now because they are Christians and us visiting them. And then he says, And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Joyfully accepted. Like, these, these are a strange breed of people. Joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. That is a remaining one that no one can take away. So you've got to get the attitude of here. They were Christians and people were beating down their doors and ransacking their home deliberately to unsettle them. Taking the things that they had worked hard for and paid for and yet... They had this joy in their hearts because they felt it's okay because I have possessions in glory Amen. that are abiding yeah. and no one can steal. Do you, you, you get the, you think, okay, that's a different kind of faith. That's okay to have this taken from me. It's okay to have this job robbed from me. It's okay to have this relationship that seems like, well, it's going, why is it so difficult? So not to have these things in life. Why, why am I not getting these things? Faith says, but I have a possession in glory that is remaining. Therefore, I can have joy today. 
You see the logic. The second thing is this, Abraham, verse, chapter 11, verse 9. He says, By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. I don't want to steal someone else's sermon here, but he was called to go somewhere and he didn't know where he was going. He says, up, up and leave. So you're like, okay, packing your bags. Where do I go? I go to the airport. Like, what am I doing? Like, lucky charms. Where am I going? Picking. You know, he didn't know where he was going, but he was walking by faith, trusting God that every step of the way, left or right, God would guide him. And he lived his life in tents. This was a wealthy man who let go of his lifestyle to live in tents. A poor life, walking with his family, trying to pass to his kids and his family through this moment with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Why? For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So he said, okay, I'm going to let go of my lifestyle. I'm going to live in tents my whole life, knowing that there is a city coming where I will one day sit down and enjoy all the blessings of God and all of my hopes will be fulfilled and everything will be okay. And I will sit down with my family and we will laugh and sing with the joy of the Lord of all that he did through those hard times. He looks forward to something that is better than anything we could have in this life. He says, I'll let go of that. Let me find Moses, verse 23. By faith, you know why we called the sermon by faith now. Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the, the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So Moses again grew up in the Pharaoh's palace with all the riches he could hope for. He could have lived an easy life, keeping his heritage quiet, enjoying the riches of this lifestyle that he had. But he says, no, I'm going to step out and associate myself with the people of God and be mistreated with them, knowing that I actually have a greater inheritance than anything Pharaoh could offer me. And it's coming in glory. And that reward is what I am looking for because his future shaped his today. That is what faith looks like. It's waking up and saying, I am looking forward to the new Jerusalem. I am looking forward to seeing Jesus face to face. Anything else is less. So I'm going for him. This is what it means. It is future fueled. It is hope filled as we see all the glory that is coming. You might feel hard done by right now in life. And you might genuinely be hard done by. But one day you are going to sit with Jesus and you will breathe a sigh of relief. You'll probably wonder why you ever fretted. Because Christ had you all the way. It's future orientated. And the thing here is, this, this is amazing. He, he says, the assurance of things hoped for. Quick Bible study. Are you with me? Yeah. Quick Bible study. All right. Um, I was up late last night, so I'm 
can't, you know, sometimes you're very tired and you're like, the room's zoning in and out. And you're kind of like, are people there? Are they with me? <laughs> he says this, it's the assurance of things hoped for. This, is, this means two things. This means firstly the, the confidence, like the, it's an emotional confidence. This, I believe it's, it's there. But this same word in chapter 1 verse 3, assurance, is actually used to speak about the substance, the material substance of Jesus Christ himself. That he is the same word, the assurance or the substance or the person, the imprint of God himself. That Christ is this reality of God. So if you want to know God, you look to Jesus Christ. And I think both of these things are at play with this assurance of the things hoped for. It's not just this confidence that it's going to happen. It's actually a substance. There is something that we taste and see in our hearts of that future glory that we touch sometimes. So that when we come to church and we worship or in prayer sometimes when we read the scriptures and some bit of scripture just pops out and just brings joy to our heart what that is doing is that it's giving us that assurance it's like this down payment of the joy of that assurance of that thing that is coming in the future so you are walking through difficult times and you are exhausted and you're emotionally low and you think can I even sense God and you have these moments of assurance that I sense you close Lord and it's God this moment of like down payment There is glory coming. Your inheritance is coming. You do not yet see it, but it is yours. So we taste and see that the Lord is good and that sense of his goodness just sits in our heart with the Lord wanting to communicate us by the Spirit. Like, it's coming. You've tasted it. Just imagine if this is like the tiniest amount of what is actually coming. Amen? And then it's also... Hope, uh, the conviction of things not seen. It's interesting because in the Bible, the opposite of faith is doubt, and the opposite of faith is also sight. So Paul says, We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And sight is actually really the grounding of what it is to, to doubt. Because you might be a Christian and say, I want to walk by faith. Like, I want to do great things in God by faith. And at the same time, I would like you to tell me exactly the game plan and how we're going to achieve this together. I'd like, you know, the next three years roadmap of how this is all going to work out. Does anyone ever want, like, the three-year roadmap? Think, I want to know, like, I want to walk by faith. I want to be bold. I want to be like Moses. I want to be like Abraham. But God, I really love you to like tell me like who it is that I'm going to marry and how many kids and like where I'm going to end up and my job and what's it going to look like. So a little trailer would be just like we, we want to see it as well as walk by faith. But they are opposite things in the Bible. To walk by faith is to not see the future and to not know what God is doing. And yet to still say, I trust you and I'm going to walk now, not knowing where I'm going to end up. To ask always what if or but or if this ha happens will eventually erode your faith so that you will inevitably shrink back. You might have these sparks of faith that I, I want to live for God. I want to I live a significant, meaningful life for God. But yet if you continually say, but what if that happens? And what if that decision don't, doesn't go away? What if bad things go wrong that, that way? And what, what if... 
What if, 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 what if? And we end up melded into the world, just coasting through to glory when there were great exploits for us to do in God. I think there is a passion in our hearts as Trinity to do great exploits for God, amen? I think there is an expectation that God will work when we pray and when we move and when we live by faith. And so we are called to walk not by what we see, but whom we trust in, Jesus Christ. So we don't walk by faith. So I don't, I don't need it. People say, but what, what about your plans for that? I have God. Sure, you can be sensible. I'm not saying like, don't plan, but if God changes the plan, he changes the plan. I never thought I would be here in central London with you guys at this point with a beautiful wife and two beautiful kids and all the things that's going on. I, I never thought that. Just step by step by step, you walk by faith. You never know what, what God will do with you, amen? I was once told when we first started the church, don't look to the people to your left and your right. Just look to God. In the early days when we thought like, what are we even doing? Like starting a church in central London, how, how, how do you even do that? And they were prophesying into my life at that moment, this, this, this truth. Because it's so tempting when you start something new, you take a step and then you feel nervous. And so you look to like people and finances and situations and news and you, to try and kind of like, is this going okay? Are we gonna be all right? Is, uh, uh, are the signs good? You look to the world, you look to the things that you can see. Well, this, this church was planted by faith. Some of you joined the church by faith, not having a clue what you were getting yourself into. Some of you have moved to this country by faith. We've prayed by faith. We've given finance by faith to serve the nations. We've welcomed people into the community by faith. We've taken steps of faith by faith. We've, everything so far in this church has been done by faith. And the call on us is to take some big strides forward now. I think we've walked like our toddler steps. And there is a maturing and a growing in our prayer, in our togetherness. And for you in your individual lives, think, no, there are, there are some bold steps to take by faith. Why would we do all of this? There is one simple thing they want to close with. He says it in verse two. For by it, the people of God received their commendation. Later on, Verse five, it says this, now before he was taken, this is speaking of Enoch, he was commended as having pleased God. So how did those in the Old Testament receive their commendation? It was by faith and as they walked trusting in God, God looked on them and he commended them, he was pleased with them for their faith. Sometimes we can get old and sophisticated and think that we don't need pats on our back anymore. It's all right, I'm self-sufficient. Right. I can do things myself. I don't need pats on the back. Sure, it might be nice, but I don't really need it. It's to misunderstand true humility. I sometimes think we're all actually just like kids, but in bigger bodies, you know, like touring off and chat like, we, you know, like primary school playground. I kind of feel like life is just still the primary school playground, but we're just older and with a bit of money and 
aches and pains in our bodies and we're just still like we're still just trying to anyone else feel like that or is it just me no it's just me all right nam and me we're in it together i just feel like we're just like kids trying to find this thing like thing out it's called like we still need a commendation just too often we look to the wrong places for that pat on the back and that that well done because the reality is walking by faith can be very lonely you know that you're believing in God and trusting in him for the sustaining grace while you walk through your life that feels difficult sometimes walking by faith can be lonely where do we look for for our commendation it is not first and foremost to the left or to the right we look first and foremost to God and in Jesus Christ we don't found, find a frown we find a smile in God's face and the commendation of God saying this is my son this is my daughter with whom I am well pleased pointing out to the crowd of witnesses look at my son walking by faith look at my daughter walking by faith look how they endure look how they go for those job interviews look how they are raising that child look how they are moving countries look how they are settling into a new city look how they are persevering in their job right now look at them walking by faith commending you and we keep our eyes on Christ, who was the one who walked always by faith, ministering by faith, teaching by faith, the perfect one who never erred into the flesh, never erred into sight, always walking by faith. Walked by faith to the cross, we're told. Walked by faith to a place of punishment for your and our sin. Walked to that place where he would not take himself down from the cross, where in any moment he could have called on a legion of angels to take him down and to tend with him. But by faith, he endured he stayed he remained for you on the cross so that you might receive the pleasure and the commendation of God we look to him amen so we look to him and we receive our commendation faith is where we find God's smile he sees you he knows you he knows the lonely parts of your life that you think no, no one knows this bit of faith where I'm trusting God and I feel like I'm just holding on. He sees and he knows and he smiles with a benediction over your life of blessing. Amen.